0: Welcome to episode 10, How to Overcome the Argument Hangover with Jocelyn and Aaron Freeman.
1: It's good stuff.
0: It's great stuff. Currently in Minnesota, it is what, negative 20?
1: It's negative 10, but it feels like negative 20? Yes, with the wind chill. So. <laughs>
0: and it is not a good time to be in Minnesota.
1: No. We were in Hawaii last week and we came back to. Negative weather, so we're feeling a little cooped up all weekend inside <laughs> in our one-bedroom apartment, but, you know. We're getting through it. That's Minnesota February, so it's the one time of the year where I'm like, maybe I don't want to live here. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is wonderful. Um, you know
0: when Dallas, Texas is getting hammered with snow? Yeah. You know, it's pretty brutal in...
1: Most people are not having the best Minnesota. week, weather-wise. We're getting through it. It's going to be great. March will come one day. (laughs) And yeah, let's just dive into a little bit more about Jocelyn and Erin before we jump into the interview. Jocelyn and Erin are known as the couple that coaches couples. They provide couples the relationship skills that none of us learned growing up especially around communication and conflict. In their newest book, The Argument Hangover, they provide a step-by-step process for couples to reconnect faster after a disagreement, understand each other's communication personality type, and to fight smarter. So we talk lots about The Argument Hangover, and they give us lots of their tips, um around how to overcome that argument hangover which we'll describe what that is as well in the interview or they'll describe it for us and we also ask them about their own marriage and their own relationship they talk about um, their parents and how they handled conflict very differently and kind of all the work they've done to figure out um, these different tips that they give in the book and they give lots of those tips to us as well so let's just get to it because there's lots of good info Um, And then we'll give you work. It's at the end. So we'll kind of summarize some of the things that we talk about and For them specifically because they have such concrete tips Don't worry about like taking notes while you're listening just soak it up and then at the end We're gonna kind of summarize some of those things that I'm gonna recommend you like write some of it down to use some of the language They have because they have really good language and then we'll also we haven't given away a sticker pack in a minute but we are going to read a review at the end and give away make marriage work stickers um, to somebody who's left us a review we love your reviews so we're gonna do that so hang tight to see if your review is read at the end all right let's do it this is make marriage work a podcast for happy couples who are ready to learn how to argue better and connect more
0: we're strons and mallory wolfgram Mallory's a couples therapist, but this podcast isn't therapy. It's chatting with real couples, like you, about how to make marriage work.
1: At the end of each episode, we give you clear takeaways that you can try out in your own relationship.
0: All right, let's get going.
1: All right, Jocelyn and Aaron, we're so excited to have you both on the Make Marriage Work podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. We're truly excited to have a great conversation with you two. Yeah, I love this. Us too. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and the two of you and how you got into couples coaching and education?
2: Yeah. When people ask me that, it's like I want to even go back into how different our upbringings were because we did. We had completely different upbringings. I watched my parents have a very intense divorce after being what people thought was best friends, madly in love. People envied their relationship to yelling, divorce court, cops called. And so I was kind of in a way like, how is this possible? As a kid, it even planted this seed in my mind. Like, how is that even possible with love? And then Aaron had a totally different upbringing, calm, loving, you know, faith-based home. And he never saw his parents have a disagreement. He didn't ever see his dad really express emotion or he never even... Well, let me say
3: by a disagreement, that's... They had times they disagreed, but then my dad just stopped talking and basically walked away. And he told me different times, he said it was like out of respect and he wasn't going to say anything that he was going to regret. So, I mean, that sounded good to me, right? And what else did I know? So I really carried that through into Jocelyn and I's relationship where I really realized that even though that was maybe a nicer way to handle conflicts, it still left Jocelyn feeling isolated and it still had us be an argument hangover. So I do like to say, I don't think there's like a good upbringing or a bad upbringing because there's what we see and then there's the interpretation we have and then we model it, right? So that may have worked for my parents, but I did what I saw and that didn't necessarily work for us as it still brought us into... Having argument hangovers.
2: And the reason we give that backstory, you know, into now what we do full time is working with couples. When we got together, number one, we really wanted to do the work ourselves. And we had gone through a self-development journey, but we wanted to take that self-development into our relationship. And we really only saw people working on their relationship either in that preparing for marriage stage or... Or once they were in crisis and we were like, why are those really the only two times people bring attention to their relationship for the majority? Like, of course, not everyone, but what we see. And we said, no, like, let's do it differently. And so we then said, let's really be an inspiration. Let's show couples that it can be an empowering, enjoyable process to learn relationship skills. And that's what the foundation of our work is, is that behind any relationship challenge is a missing relationship skill that can be learned. And so fast forward now, that's what we do. We have been doing for years and years, full-time coaching, couples workshops before we got Corona in person, but we do those online. And anyway, long story short, that's what really drove our work. And we're super passionate about it.
1: That's awesome. We love that approach and love that approach too. Of, it doesn't have to just be premarital or when things get really bad, like there can, there's always room for growth and work and development. And we totally approach that in the same way and like to preach that same message. So we love hearing that. That's awesome
0: yeah, and we've heard this this term before, uh, or, or you guys mentioned it argument hangover. Tell us a little bit more about this argument hangover. Oh, I love it because
3: you can get like the sense of what it <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Many people have had some sort of food or alcohol hangover, so there's some period of time where you're lethargic. you probably regret some of the things that you did. And in the relationship, we realized that disagreements happen, and it's often, though what we do in those moments, the things we say, how we act, our tone of voice they end up doing more damage. And then so there's some gap. There's this period of time where all of us being married, we feel this disconnect. We feel frustrated or angry or defensive, upset. And then often upon reflection, you know, you're like, dang, why why did I say that to my partner? So we call that period of time until you fully resolve it emotionally and Jocelyn loves to say that that's not the period of time where you just say I'm sorry because that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't always fully resolve it emotionally but that's that period of time the argument hangover from that disagreement all the things that you said and that feeling of shame disconnect until you really do resolve it all the way emotionally and
2: what's been fun lastly i'll say is since introducing it to our community upon like we got a book deal at the beginning of quarantine and we've been using it with our clients privately but now that we're talking about it more publicly we we literally just got off a coaching session right before this and they used the term they were like yeah a couple weeks ago we had about a two-day argument hangover and what that term did for them was it gave them language to describe that period of time so that they were able to isolate it more and then understand how they could shorten that period so it's mm. been fun to hear people using it in their language.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm definitely going to snag Adopt it in it. my <laughs> sessions because it is – I've described that period with couples and, like, how long does that last and when can you finally get that full repair, but I haven't had, like, a good label for it. It's perfect. I love it. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about kind of – like you said, you have this book, Argument Hangover, and you're teaching all these couples. Tell us about um, – kind of your main pieces or takeaways um, that our listeners could use in shortening that argument hangover. When that comes into play, um, any tips we'd love to hear and learn from you? Gosh, do you have like three
2: more hours? No. There's so many different angles. But what I first like to say, because this is really the shift I had to have in my mindset. Even before I could do something different, I had to see something differently. And I used to think that Either conflict meant bad because I saw my parents, you know, get divorced. It was like conflict equals bad. So avoid that. And then I definitely repeated their unhealthy patterns in conflict. But here's what we say to couples and kind of the underlying premise or golden thread throughout it is that the goal is not to avoid conflict. And I'm sure you would agree in your work that when you see couples avoiding conflict, it eventually builds into resentment if they are not discussing things, if they are withholding communications. And so that's not the goal. And one of the things that I almost see couples have their minds transformed when we say that Healthy conflict can actually be really powerful for your bond, for your level of transformation, for your ability to learn about yourself and each other. And so instead of avoiding conflict, like you said already, the goal is to shorten that argument hangover period and repair faster. So, Aaron, do you want to share like kind of any other sentiments about the goal with the argument hangover?
3: Well, that I mean that's that really is the goal. And I was just contemplating for myself because At a higher level, you'll see other people put out there like, oh, if you want to be more connected, do something challenging as a couple, like go on a hike or do a challenge course. (laughs) And All of those things are great. It restores some trust or builds trust. And if you really want to take that to the nth degree, do it with the conflicts that you have, right? Not just an activity. When you can go through something challenging, and the goal really around argument hangovers is to... Have communication such that it keeps you on the same side, same team, looking at the problem and looking at how is this going to ultimately strengthen us together, rather than it's the small little unconscious actions and words that we say, the triggers that we have, things from our past that immediately put us against each other, like a boxing match, you're facing off. So The overall goal of any conflict is to embrace it, but communicate and have the skills such that you're on the same page looking at the challenge for how it's going to grow you rather than it's the small things like, I didn't say it that way. Mm -hmm. I didn't remember it like that. That doesn't make any sense. Why are you feeling that way? All you're doing is putting yourself against your partner so you're already in a disempowering place.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that sentiment of like conflict can be connecting and positive. And I think that's not how like our culture really talks about it. But like that's something that we've learned from our own experience and working really hard and going to therapy and reading all the books and doing all the things where some of our like worst conflict moments have led to some of our most connecting moments where we mm-hmm. can like see each other to the core in a way that no one else can. and it can be like a really beautiful experience, but it's a lot of hard work yeah. to be able to make sure you get there.
0: yeah, I really loved how you how how you two framed it in terms of like embrace the conflict and mm-hmm. then communicate that conflict. I think uh you know, like Molly was saying in our in our relationship, I think when we were first married, we really um, had a hard time learning that because, you know, kind of talking about my upbringing is I just kind of wanted to like ignore it, let time do its thing, but not talk about it. And then hopefully things will be quote unquote resolved. But there was just still that that hurt or that kind of that hangover that, that, mm-hmm. that, that you guys talk about that was just still somewhat lingering to where, you know, time really couldn't fix something without actually embracing it. And then communicating about it. So I love it how you guys have framed it. Mm
2: -hmm. I love that you're being so honest. And I think so many people, you know, men and women, can relate to like part of what has us resist wanting to repair, wanting to, like we have these five R's for repairing after a disagreement, which I'm sure you'll uh, bring up. But one of the things that can make it challenging to want to do that repair process is we do feel some guilt. Some people even feel all the way to shame and they're judging themselves and they're judging their partner. And so in a way, talking about it is very humbling. And we, in a way, like, I used to really associate the feeling after a disagreement where I knew I like wasn't showing up as my best and I knew I hurt my partner almost to the same way I know this sounds sounds a little bit of an exaggeration but to the same way of being punished when I was a kid. Hmm. And wanting to avoid it. Oh my god, I disappointed my parent and uh, do they still love me and like, you know, um all those kind of like feelings it was part of what would block me from just owning up, taking responsibility. Let's have the hard conversation. <laughs> Let's acknowledge where we weren't our best here. I had to get over like I wasn't going to lose Aaron's love. I wasn't. He wasn't going to judge me forever.
3: Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to jump in for the men in particular. So Strands, see if you resonate with this. You know, I found for myself so often when we would get into a conflict, I would think to myself. And sometimes say out loud, I'm ready to get past this. Like all you have to do is admit. <laughs> like I'm I, I, I would say it too. Like I'm ready to move past this. Like I can shift my energy. I've done personal development. I'm good. So just admit where you were wrong and like <laughs> 1000 percent. 1, <laughs> so that, that was a place. I just think that's one of the hard things. I can't speak for it, Jocelyn. I think I could speak for more of the men that we feel that way. So we have this five-hour process in our book. And I want to talk about the second step. The first step is reflecting. And in that reflection, you, as a partner, committed to a strengthening relationship, you don't look for if you had responsibility. You look for where you can take responsibility. And that's really the second step. And that's that probably made the biggest difference for me. And it wasn't like now I was admitting blame or sometimes it was still harder to say like it was my fault, you know, that it started. But I would come back to Jocelyn and rather than that reconnection, which is actually the third step, the reconnection being, hey, I'm, I'm ready to hear where you're going to accept blame and I'm, I'm ready to go. I would start the sentence with, hey, where I see I could take responsibility. You know, like I see that I let my tone get a little bit too far I, I take responsibility that I was actually defensive. Mm-hmm. Then that was the best way to actually literally start the conversation to come back together.
1: Yeah, I love what it, this is making me think of is one thing I say to my couples a lot is I think one of the hardest parts about being in a relationship is that moment when we realize we hurt our partner. Mm-hmm. So kind of like Jocelyn, you're saying you like get that big guilt. And Aaron, you're saying, I want to just like push it on them, right? We all have different ways of coping with how painful that is. But what I love to focus on is that pain is coming from like connection and deep care and love for our partner. And if we didn't have that pain reaction, that would actually be a bad thing, right? We wouldn't have this care and um connection and attachment with our partner and so learning how to like cope with that pain in that moment and like you're saying reflect on it and take responsibility is so important to not getting stuck in it and letting it pull us apart. Does mm-hmm. that fit?
2: One other thing that made me think that's really powerful what you just shared is so often though what I think couples miss out on because they're like not willing to kind of embrace those tougher emotions, those tougher moments, you know, Going into that moment is, in a way, we miss out on the deeper lesson that could have come from the disagreement. And so often, I think, because we're in this busy culture, oh my gosh, I got to get back to work. I've got to, you know, make lunch for the kids. I've we need to relax. It's time for bed and. So it kind of becomes this – I don't want this to sound offensive, but people become, like, lazy with conflict resolution. And it's just kind of like, let's get past it when there's actual gold underneath the conflict. Now, of course, sometimes once in a while it was just a blip. Like, you just had a tough day. You were triggered by each other. You know, maybe there's just like a love and a grace and a forgiveness needed. But a lot of times, especially if it's a recurring disagreement, a lot of what we do in our workshops is identify what's like one or two of those recurring disagreements. It actually is pointing to something underneath it is it could be something that you haven't repaired from earlier in the relationship. It could be something you haven't repaired from each other's past. You know, like I actually had a lot of the things I hadn't healed from my upbringing show up in our conflicts. And so, really, it wasn't even about the thing we were talking about. It was that it was triggering something from my past, or you know, all these other things. So, what I hope like people expectation. Eat, an expectation it could be expectations. Unmet,
3: sorry, unmet expectations.
2: Mm-hmm. All in all, if you the listeners really see that. Especially with those recurring disagreements, it could be pointing to something that wants to be looked at. It wants to come up to the surface and be repaired and be healed. It then likely won't come up again in the future.
1: Yeah, that it's conflicts happening not because it's bad or there's like something wrong. There's some there's gold in there, like you said, of healing that needs to be done that's going to make a really positive shift.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so we got one of the steps of of the five R's to repairing um, after a conflict. Yeah, so we have a few. So just tell us more about about the five R's repairing after a conflict.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was inspired to jump to that second one. It makes more sense to just just lay out what all five of them are, yeah. (laughs) So the first one is to reflect, and we can go a little bit faster here, um, you know, it would be a longer workshop <laughs> to go into all five, but to reflect, I think when it seems like the conversation is not only not effective, but you're now starting to do more damage, right? And often the conflict starts with one thing, but it really escalates because of what oh, you finding. say, what you do, mm-hmm. your tone. And then, you know, usually are arguing more about that. How many of us have said, in our own minds, what are we even arguing about What did it start about again? I don't know, but I'm just going to keep defending because... (laughs) (laughs) So it's to pause and to verbally say, okay, I think we need a pause here. And then you could say, I want to come back to this to resolve it. And sometimes you can give a period of time, like maybe you say an hour, or just give some time you come back to it. So while you're reflecting, like Jocelyn said, you reflect on, like maybe there was an unmet expectation. We feel all disappointments come from an unmet, often unexpressed expectation. And a lot of times we then assume our partners know what to do, they what they should have said. But we're like, you never actually express it. So reflecting on that. And then to the second point, we said responsibility. Like while you're reflecting, where can I take responsibility? Not, Not is there any responsibility for me to take? So in the third step is reconnect. And the best way to actually reconnect, you actually physically come together and using that sentence, hey, partner, where I actually see I can take responsibility is this.
2: And in the reconnect stage, what I love to say about this is, It's challenging to want to do this step, especially if you do feel very right or it did feel damaging in the disagreement. That ego part of us, not ego in terms of boastfulness or confidence, but there's an ego part that we all have as human beings that, number one, likes to be right, but it also is willing to sacrifice love to be right. And love is connection, right? So You have to set aside your ego and that part of you that would still be okay with being disconnected for another hour or another day and give those one word answers and not touching each other. But you have to set that aside and go, okay, you know what? If I even just, we talk about just break the physical touch barrier. So even if I'm not full blown ready to snuggle or be sexually intimate, I might just, you know, graze his back with my hand, Mm -hmm. like just something where we've touched each other and it sends a signal to us that, like, we're still there with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's reconnect. Then you want to go to the next one.
3: Well, also in that, I wanted to share because as you both are probably familiar, you know, your brain has. (laughs) So I heard some of the audience saying, well, I want to be heard, right? You will get the opportunity because we have mirror neurons. There's the principle of reciprocity. So, so often we find that when you first share where you're taking responsibility, and your par- it reconnects you, but your partner will often say, you know what, here's where I'm taking responsibility as well. So I don't want anybody to feel like left out, like they don't get to be heard because your partner will often reflect that back to you. So then as you move to the fourth step, that is remind. And this is a powerful place because you remind each other of what your commitment is to the relationship. It's starting from this positive intent or this deeper love. And you say, you know what? I really am committed that we both feel understood. I'm committed that we both feel love and support, or I'm committed that we both are becoming the best versions of ourselves." So you start to move back to this larger perspective of the relationship, reminding of commitments. And it's also a powerful place to remind each other of your agreements. Now this would be a whole other part of the chapter in our book, but if you don't have agreements, It's a good time to come together and make agreements. So Mm. remind or make agreements that you're going to use in times of conflict.
2: And then the fifth R is to reconcile, which is what we mean by that is reconcile the conflict as an opportunity. So you can either see the conflict and even remember the conflict as something that was bad and Mm -hmm. shouldn't have happened, and you in a way are almost like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about last Saturday that was such a bad day. Mm. Or you can close out the conversation together by going, okay, how are we even stronger now? What did we learn about us? How are we an even better team? What did we learn so that we can prevent this in the future? And actually, we were saying this to the couple that I mentioned right before this, where What they're really kind of working on is, yes, making sure it's totally complete for them, but also trying to change the way they remember it. Mm -hmm. And so they were really blown away by the idea of closing out the conversation by, you know, what was the opportunity in this so that their memory is now, like, oh, remember last Saturday when we got even closer and we learned about us? You know, like it just totally changes the way you remember it. So we said a lot there. That's the five
1: R's to repair after a disagreement. I love it. So many thoughts going through my head right now. First of all, I think kind of like you were talking about earlier with the language of argument hangover, I think having like five R's like this that couples can be on the same page with and have the same goals to be doing once the conflict comes up is so important and can be such a game changer. And kind of um, like Aaron, I think you were saying about that idea of like, well, if I'm going to take responsibility, I really hope my partner is going to do the same. And mm-hmm. I love concepts like this that couples can learn and recognize, okay, we're both going to be working on taking responsibility, right? That's one of the R's. So we're both going to take that into consideration and trust that our partner is going to be doing the same And so I love just that, like, format and having those reminders, like, stick them on the fridge and, like, remember (laughs) those when it comes up. Um, Because I think conflict can be so disorienting and overwhelming if you don't feel like you have kind of a structure and, like, like you guys are saying, are on the same page of what we're doing with it. I think this is a really cool structure to have. Awesome. So glad you like it.
3: Yeah. It works really well for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Um. One other thought I had, and I'm curious your take, because obviously I'm like listening and like going through my own couples therapy lens and like connecting pieces. Um, And so I do emotionally focused couples therapy, which is kind of attachment based. And one piece that I was kind of thinking about during the reconnect and the remind and even reconcile too is like, and I'm curious if this fits for you guys, how you think about it is kind of getting to these underlying attachment needs of like, What, why we're hurting and why this um, conflict brought up that hurt, and how it's coming from like uh, feeling disconnected or afraid the other person doesn't like this thing about me, or like kind of bringing up these really vulnerable. Pieces of hurt that actually let our partner know how much we care. Am I making sense? I'm getting really yeah. I, think I yeah.
2: Well, I, I think I'm hearing you correctly. Kind of like because we're I'm familiar with attachment theory and I see it a lot on Instagram. We haven't specifically like chosen to really study it, but I do. I am very familiar with the types. What we would use the language as, and I'm sure it points to very similar things, is really just identifying what it's triggering. So. We have like the three parts to emotional triggers. And what I hear in a lot of times in that same theory is like it may have triggered different things in each of you. So like one person, it could have triggered like, am I good enough? Do you still love me? Are right. you going to abandon me? Does this mean it's over with us? Right? So that might be what one person gets triggered. And then the other person might get triggered like, I'm never doing good enough uh, I, I don't get to thrive in this relationship. I need my own space. Like I, you're sabotaging my day. And so it can trigger different things in each person. And so, yeah, that we would use the triggers and we go into the three parts of emotional triggers. D- that sounds pretty similar to what you talk about. Totally.
1: Right? Yeah. Right on track. It's cool to just hear how it lines up and connects in kind of a slightly different way, but it's all the same kind of core pieces. I like that. Would you feel open to telling us a little bit more about, I've seen you guys post a lot about those emotional triggers in the three parts.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Love it. And it's a great thing to do in the reflection stage for yourself, or if they're working with you, for instance, right, to be able to have someone to talk through it. But the first place is the triggering event. So there is Something that your partner said or did or a tone, even a body language, right? It's so funny when we get down to the nitty gritty, it was like a facial expression. It was the way their eyes were, right? So there's the event. Now that event triggered an emotion. So the second stage is what is then the triggered emotion? So your partner's face looked like this or their tone was like this. But what emotion did that then trigger?
2: hmm Sadness, anger, shame, guilt, scared. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. powerful
3: just to start to label that for yourself. And you could even right, locate it in your body. You know, is it in my stomach where usually you have scared type of emotions, your shoulders would be more angry or in your face sad. So start to putting a label to it. It kind of depersonalizes it and you can kind of deal with it more objectively. Because then the third part is then what was the triggered behavior? So this event happened, this emotion got triggered in you, but then what is that automatic unconscious behavior, i.e. reaction, that is pretty predictable in you, right? You say this thing back, or you get defensive this way, or you storm out. So just really looking at those three stages and seeing what your behavior is, you can really start to, as like a Tony Robbins would say, pattern interrupt this, because the goal is that you consciously choose to respond to your partner even when you're triggered rather than just allowing these unconscious behavior patterns that do more damage to just run.
2: Well, one thing I wanted to add to that too is because that triggered behavior, we see, you know, everyone has their own flavor as we call it. Mm -hmm. And they can be, of course, slightly different depending on the situation or like what state you were in right before it. But we do see people fall into either a reactive or a repressive state. Hmm. And so the reactive person might more so like raise their voice or want to talk about it more. And they, they need to talk more, 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 and they cry and they need, you know, maybe name call, like they start to take out their emotion. Whereas another person might be more like they isolate, they shut down, they get Mm -hmm. quiet, they give one word answers, they leave the room. And so, you know, both of you might have your different responses and that's where When both people are triggered and they're doing their own thing, that's when you're no longer in a healthy, constructive conflict. And so we would, in our whole book, we talk about different methods, but one of the first thing is to identify you are triggered. Mm -hmm. And so you as the listener, if you can start to become more and more, even before you try to change something or totally fix your patterns, if you can even just start to identify in the moment, oh, I'm triggered right now. That puts you in a state of realizing that you don't have to take those same patterns but
0: yeah, it doesn't something different. it
1: doesn't make it all about them too. Mm-hmm. You realize you something is triggering you. Right. Yeah, building that awareness can make all the difference.
0: So good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these
1: are I love the language you guys have around it. It's so helpful and like it concrete. It's it's awesome.
2: We love language and we're both like teachers at heart. So like anytime we can give constructs, uh, formulas, <laughs> patterns, like we believe language really does help people shape and process experiences. So we're word junkies and we, we love to.
1: Hear it. I love it. We can hear it. Yeah, that's all super helpful that recognizing the trigger, figuring out the motion behind it and then what is our behavior and how do we respond to it? I'm definitely the reactive, and Strons is the repressive. Yeah, when you guys were talking about that,
0: I was like, "That's that's Mallory."
3: (laughs) That's that's uh, the same as us too. I'm much more uh, reserved type, which is a different thing we do in our book, the communication personality types. But Strons, it feels like we have more of a similar dynamic. I'm more reserved or repressive, where my natural responses were more to. Shut out. I mean, I honestly thought I was doing Jocelyn like a service. <laughs> like, yeah. Same, same I, here. <laughs> I really did. Like for for a while, you know, when we were starting to like be in it and work through these these skills ourselves, I'm like, honestly, if you only knew, like, there's things I could say and could do. I'm like, you should, you should really be thankful that I didn't so say so these <laughs> things. But when I really got down to it, you know, it's not it's not serving our relationship, and we just look for the places where is this separating us or is this bringing us together? And so that was just a powerful look for me to say, okay, even though I was justifying my repressed actions, it is still separating us and not bringing us together.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. So tell us, we have a few questions kind of more, um, questions we ask a lot of our guests. Is there any other pieces, obviously getting your book, you're going to get all the goodness in the argument hangover book and also to follow along at meet the Freemans and we'll tag you on Instagram. Um, but tell us any other pieces you wanted to make sure that you shared kind of about the argument hangover or repairing conflict or did we kind of hit some good Bullet points.
2: I mean, we hit a lot and, you know, there is way more we could go into, but for those of right. you who are listening, just number one, like if you are recognizing that you and your partner have patterns that don't work in conflict – don't think that the best outcome is to leave the relationship. Instead, focus on gaining the skills. And no, you're not alone. We have met very few couples who inherently have great conflict resolution skills. I mean, because we didn't learn it growing up. There was no Relationships 101 class, right? And so we always just say to people, don't feel bummed
1: or discouraged. Just focus on gaining the skills. I love that. Mm-hmm. Really good reminder. And totally agree. We say that all the time, too, that when we got married, we had no clue what we were doing. (laughs) And we thank goodness there's like so much research and tools out there. Like I feel so lucky we're living in a time where there's so much to learn and it really can be learned and make all the difference.
3: Yeah, So well said. I'm so
1: So intrigued what these questions are, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one question we have for you is a little more personal about your relationship. I know you guys have already shared lots about your kind of pattern and dynamics, but tell us one of the most challenging experiences you've been through as a couple and how did you get through it together? Definitely
2: have had some very pivotal moments that felt very challenging. One that was more recent was actually last, like probably September, October.
3: I thought you were going to talk about the move.
2: The move was, okay, well, that's a different one, but the move, (laughs) we talked about ending our partnership. Oh, that's that's up there too. So we had this experience because we both have like transformed in many ways. We've evolved a lot. It almost felt like we weren't. We, we were in a new chapter and we hadn't completely closed and kind of closed the loop on the last chapter of our relationship. And we both had changed and we almost needed to upgrade the relationship for who we both were as individuals now. And so – we had this conversation. I kind of felt like one of the patterns we were stuck in was in a way just like an energy dynamic that we had around kind of my underlying feeling was like, do you even like to like be around me? Like, I know you love me, but like, do you really like being around me as much? And it brought up some fears in that. And so we had a long conversation one weekend afternoon and I just said, you know, look, like I want you to seem happy and I want you to Be a happy person. And I'm just not so sure that you really love being around me anymore. And so basically, we talked about ending this version of the relationship. And because for a moment, like because of the pattern, like not only did my parents get divorced, but like every family member got chose divorce. So I had a lot of like divorce is the solution programming in my DNA. And so part of me kind of was like, Well, if you're not happy, you know we we don't have to stay together. Knowing that's not really my truth. It was just what I saw growing up, and Aaron took a stand for us and said, "Look, there is no end to our relationship as a whole. We can end this version of it." And so we really had this transformative, long conversation about ending this version of the relationship, and we even did a long podcast episode that like blew people's minds because they never had heard that you don't have to end the relationship completely to end this version of it and that I mean it was like a completely breakthrough day for us Mm
3: -hmm. yeah I mean it's even hard to probably transmit the feelings that we were having there there was a there was a huge breakthrough moment where I mean there was a couple of thoughts in my head where it's like is is what is she trying to say that this like we wouldn't be together and there was a moment where we took a stand for the commitment to the relationship and what unfolded was a very hard conversation to say what we were unwilling to keep going the same way in our relationship so i mean it was a huge breakthrough and what we realized was Many, many couples probably don't ever make that distinction. They get to the point where they've had enough and they can't do it. And so they end the relationship. But there is another option. You have to you have to commit to the relationship. But you can boldly say the things to your partner that you need to with the right skills and with the right help to actually end this version of the relationship. And afterwards, we're like, wow. So people can end the relationship but not actually have to separate and it created this this whole new, it was super emotional, but we said, wow, that's really powerful distinction and place to come from to like actually put the relationship on the line. And it really caused, it was like a crucible moment. It really caused a deep down fundamental transformation in how we related to one another and then our experience of one another in the relationship.
1: That's really beautiful. I love that of, It's being really raw and honest and probably a really difficult, scary conversation, but important. And then you guys figured out how do we how do we hold this and like hold it as important and real, but figure out what we're going to do about it together and kind of have a restart almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. Well said. Rather
1: than give up. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that idea. Thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah. Last question, um, for our listeners, Jocelyn and Aaron. I'm just going to a- ask both of you to provide one tip for others uh, to make their marriage work.
1: What's your number? What's your number one tip? One tip? If you had <laughs> I had to zoom in,
0: yeah, I just I'll jump. I want to jump oh, into okay. mine. It's just because it's, <laughs> it's been
3: really present for me. I would have probably said something different even last week, but this is even from a friend of ours book that your personality isn't permanent. Essentially, your past is not fixed. And I and for so for a lot of couples, they hold on to past and resentments and there's just things that they can't quite get over to get to that repair. But your past isn't fixed. Your past is only in how you remember it. So... In in my friend's book, he actually writes this analogy. It's from a story. There was a man that had lost his shoes, and so he was walking around the streets for like a month. And he was like, "I can't. How did I get to this place? And this is horrible. My feet are freezing." It was like, and it was like for a month. And then he met a man that had no feet. So in that one singular moment, it literally changed his entire memory or recollection of his past month. And he actually had gratitude for his feet, right? So it just really shows that not only is our personality not permanent, our past is not permanent. So if you feel like your past is something that is keeping you from restoring, repairing, and getting to this place of even being stronger together, your past is only there in how you're remembering it. So you can actually change your past by changing your memory of it. So that's his
1: piece. Do you want me to jump in or is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah, no, I mean, that's awesome, but go for it, Jocelyn.
2: So for me, what I think there's many things I could say, but one that came up was to really focus on the relationship that you have with yourself. Because in past relationships where I really was not connected to who I was, I wasn't sure of who I was. I shamed parts of who I was. I showed up as needing their affirmation, needing them to prove they love me. And I think that puts us in a cycle of constantly putting pressure on our partner. And so I think where our relationship is now is, of course, because we gain the skills that we're talking about. But it's also because I true – I know it sounds so cheesy because we see so many Instagram posts about (laughs) like self-love first. But like – but truly, I I love – Me. And I love my personality. I have embraced my past. I've embraced even the mistakes I've made. I was a totally different person years ago, and I've accepted it and I've healed it. And so I have such a strong relationship with myself that the love Aaron gives me, the affirmation he gives me, is all bonus.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yes, John's
2: got
1: hit by that one. <laughs> he liked that one.
0: I'm snapping over here. <laughs> Snap.
1: <laughs> Guys, you shared so much goodness.
0: This could literally be like a five-part series. I know. <laughs> <rap yeah>. <laughs> Let's get well, to their, their
1: book. Their book is the five-part series. Is the five-par series. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything you shared, with all your wisdom and your coaching knowledge, and the, as well as kind of the personal pieces you went into. It was really powerful and also gives so many concrete tools and language, like we talked about, that's going to help a lot of couples, including ourselves.
2: Oh, thanks for asking great
1: questions and for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Of (laughs)
1: course. Tell us um, how our listeners can get more goodness from you guys. What's the best way to kind of find you.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Well, first things first, we're most hyped right now about <laughs> the Argument Hangover book. Uh, it comes out in February. So depending on when the listener hears this, you can either pre-order it or grab the copy if it's already out. And even if it is a, something you're pre-ordering, it's so worth it because we're actually giving $200 of bonuses two bonus trainings on communication, conflict, triggers, being a better listener. And then also a workbook to debrief after a conflict and do some of that work that we talked about. And so it's so worth getting those bonuses. And all of those, including the retailer links, can be seen at theargumenthangover.com. And then as you mentioned, how we even really built a relationship with you was Instagram. So we're super social on there. We respond to everyone's DMs and questions. Like we really love like connecting with people. So we're meet underscore the Freemans on Instagram.
1: Perfect. That is awesome. And we'll include all of those links in the show notes as well so that people can find it easily and get in touch with you guys and get the book. Thank you so much. It means the world to us. Yeah. Thank you guys again for coming on the podcast and sharing all the goodness. We'll talk soon.
0: That was so good.
1: So much good info from Jocelyn and Aaron. And I feel like it was so much that the Work It's are hopefully extra helpful because we're going to kind of like zoom in and give you guys kind of refreshers of some of the concrete tips they gave. So let's get to the Work It's. Let's do it. So you ready, babe? Let's work, work, work It. Work, 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 work Come on, Work It. work at number one what do our argument hangovers usually feel like so just a reminder the argument hangover is that period of time after a conflict or disagreement until it is fully repaired and you both feel fully connected again so using that language of argument hangover in your relationship, I think can be a really helpful way to just label that period of time. And right now sit down with your partner and kind of talk through what do those usually look like? What are we doing during argument hangovers? How are we feeling in argument hangovers and just kind of define it more specifically for your relationship.
0: Work in number two, the five R's to repairing conflict. So number one, reflect, take a break, Think about what happened, think about how you were feeling, think about how your partner may have been feeling. Number two, responsibility. Where can you take responsibility in how the conflict may have started, how something may have been triggered. Number three, reconnect, reach out and start talking about the conflict. Number four, remind. Remind each other of the commitment to your relationship, to strengthening that bond between each other. And then number five, reconcile. Reconcile the conflict as an opportunity to grow. You know, ask yourselves, what can we learn or what did we learn from this conflict or situation and how can we move forward?
1: Work at number three. What is a recent triggering experience we have had together? So they talked about these emotional triggers that come up in relationships and they broke it down into these three parts. So think about a recent argument, a recent triggered experience that one or both of you had and see if you can break down these three different parts within it. So number one is the triggering event. So what happened? What initially triggered something to go wrong? Number two, what was the triggered emotion? So label that emotion, sadness, anger, hurt, um, that came up. And number three, the triggered behavior. How did you react to that um, emotion and that event? What did you do with it? And see if you can just kind of talk through that experience in a little bit more detail than maybe you have before. All right, we're going to read one of our reviews on our podcast because we love your reviews and we still have these make marriage work sticker packs that we want to send you for leaving reviews. So Strons, you have a review for us.
0: I do. This is from Clarice Gomez and Clarice says strongs and Mallory host of the make marriage work podcast highlights all aspects of relationships and more in this can't miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. Thank you very much, Clarice. Appreciate it. So sweet.
1: It. Thank you, Clarice. And we want to send you those stickers. So email us at make podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your Clarice. Give us your address and we will send those over. So thanks again for listening. And we will see y'all next time.
0: Thank you. If you like this episode we'd be super grateful if you would rate and review our podcast and don't forget to tell your friends it really does help other listeners find us
1: and make sure to find us on instagram for more relationship tips at make marriage work thanks so much for listening see you next time